You're listening to sermon audio from Grace Mosaic, a congregation of the Grace DC Network in Northeast DC. For more information about our church, visit us online at gracemosaic.org. was a big media stir when Melania Trump gave her convention speech. The reason why this speech caused such a stir is because it seemed as if she had been found guilty of plagiarism. Simply put, plagiarism is when you take the work of somebody else and you pass it off as your own. You are guilty of plagiarism when you take the creativity the wisdom, the knowledge, or the ideas of another and present them as if you were the originator. It's taking credit that belongs to somebody else. Whether you do it intentionally or unintentionally, failing to give credit where it is due is still plagiarism. Now, we have a lot of academics out here, and I know how you might feel if someone stole the work that you spent years researching and pass it off as their own. We have some musicians in here. I know how upset you would be if you wrote a song and then Stevie Wonder stole it and passed it off as his own. (laughs) Universities and colleges have strict honor codes on this point and there are severe consequences for plagiarism. There are lighter consequences involved with that involve receiving a failing grade. But many schools expel students for plagiarism. Now here's the thing. They expect you to consult the works of others. They expect you to reference the knowledge of others. They expect you to search the wisdom of others. But you must give credit where credit is due. Before there were mountains trees, grass, and clouds. Before the sound of waves could be heard lapping up on the shore. Before the sun was greeted every morning by the songs of the birds, there was God. One God, eternally existing as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Self-existent, having no beginning, and need of nothing and nobody else. Completely satisfied and mutual love within the intertrinitarian relationship. It was this God who created the world. And his purpose in creating the world was glory. That was his purpose in creating everything that he made. He is the originator. He is the author of the created world. He owns the copyright. And every good and perfect gift in this world, whether it be love or beauty or goodness or kindness or comfort, it's his intellectual property. He made humanity as his image to be the walking advertisement of his kingdom. He made humanity for the high calling of glorifying God and enjoying him forever. But through the deception of temptation in the Garden of Eden, humanity fell from the high calling and we lost our grip on our God-ordained purpose for living, God's glory. 
It was at this disastrous turning point that mankind, humanity, started to plagiarize. And our cultural moment is as guilty as any. We are a culture of practicing plagiarists, taking credit and glory for ourselves that belongs to the Lord alone. But the good news this morning is that for his own glory, God has graciously made renewal and restoration possible. So this morning, we are going to talk about giving the glory to God and grasping the glory of God. These are our two points. Giving the glory to God and grasping the glory of God. So let's look at our first point. Giving the glory to God. Now this psalm begins with an imperative. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Throughout this psalm, the personal name of God, Yahweh. Somebody say, Yahweh. Yahweh. Yeah, you got a letter. <laughs> Yahweh. All right? This is the personal name of God. It is used 18 times throughout this psalm. It's not the generic name of God that is used, El or Elohim. It is the personal covenantal name of the Lord. And in the cultural context of the time, people looked at what was happening around them and they attributed these phenomena to false gods. They thought these false gods had the power to save them. In other words, the psalmist is telling us that the people failed to give credit where credit was due. That was the cultural order of the day. In our American cultural moment, we too fail to give credit where credit is due. We have our own false gods. Money, sex, power, freedom. And we ascribe to these false gods the glory that belongs to the Lord. We glorify money, sex, and power. We ascribe to them a saving power, a healing power, a life-giving, security-giving power that they simply do not have. But to put a finer point on it, we're also, we're also guilty of just straight-up plagiarism. For example, in the business world, we take materials that God created, we organize those materials and technologies with creativity that God has given us, and then we take the credit. That's plagiarism. We make scientific discoveries of things that God created. We operate according to scientific laws that God designed and established. We do the chemistry with rational capacities that God has given us, and then we take the credit. That is plagiarism. We enjoy privileges and opportunities through no doing of our own. We wind up with livable wages through God-given capacities and talents. And then we look back over our lives and take all of the credit. That is plagiarism. We raise kids in dysfunctional homes. Yes, all of us raise children in dysfunctional homes. We make countless mistakes along the way. They make countless mistakes along the way. But somehow they wind up being halfway decent people 
and we look back over it all and we pat ourselves on the back taking the credit. That is plagiarism. We glorify ourselves. We give our hard work, our intelligence, our creativity, our strategies, and our skills the credit that belongs to the Lord. We act as if love was our idea and that we're free to redefine it however we like. We act as if kindness and justice were our idea, as if service and generosity are human inventions born and sustained purely by human motivations. It's plagiarism, whether it's intentional or unintentional. When we fail to give God the glory, the honor, and the credit, when we keep the glory, the honor, and the credit for ourselves, it's plagiarism. It's copyright infringement. The Lord expects you to consult his works. He expects you to reference his knowledge. He expects you to search his wisdom, but he also expects you to give him the glory do his name. But what is glory, you might be wondering? What exactly is glory? The word is kavod. It means weightiness or heaviness or honor or nobility or dignity or splendor or brilliance or abundance or reputation or reverence. It's the awesome majesty with which the Lord showed up in the Exodus. It's the thunderous, earthquaking power in which the Lord appeared on Mount Sinai. It's the brilliance, the weightiness, the fullness with which the Lord filled the tabernacle. But what is the psalmist up to here? He calls us to ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. But in order to get us there, he leverages the phenomena around him to turn our eyes to the Lord of glory. That brings us to our second point, grasping the glory of God. In verses 3 through 9, the psalmist perhaps sees a thunderstorm and a reminder of the stormy glory of God as he appeared in the Exodus. This natural phenomenon reminds him of how God revealed himself in the Exodus, contrary to the popular opinions of the ancient Near Eastern cultures of the day that attributed these natural phenomena to false gods, like Baal. Baal was the god of the, 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 the weather. And so, because they were an agrarian society, sometimes people would just kind of play bingo. They would worship whatever god they thought was in control over their, their harvest because that was their money, right? And if, if there wasn't rain provided that their crops wouldn't grow, they would be in a bad situation. And so sometimes they would just, you know, they'll pray to this God, they'll worship this God and this God, just hoping that they hit the right one. Now, commentators are divided on whether or not this is really, you know, leaning into the ancient Near Eastern culture or referring back to the Exodus. But I think that we can benefit from ideas on both sides of that. He simply focuses in this psalm on the voice of the Lord. He could have picked any other way of kind of getting at this theme of calling us to ascribe to the Lord glory, but he chooses the voice of the Lord and he just runs through this sort of litany of, of actions that the Lord 
took through his own voice. He says, the voice of the Lord thunders over the waters. In the ancient Near Eastern culture, water was a symbol of chaos. And it says, if to say the Lord thunders over the chaos, his voice speaks over the chaos, could be a reference back to creation, where the Lord spoke by verbal fiat and the world came into order from disorder. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. Perhaps it's a reference to the parting of the Red Sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful, he says. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The voice of the Lord makes the mountains shake. The voice of the Lord sh shakes the wilderness. The voice of the Lord strips the forest bare. And all in his temple cry, glory. Now here's the thing. Can you imagine this voice calling you to account for your plagiarism? Can you imagine this voice calling you to answer for your copyright infringements in this life? Can you imagine this voice calling you to account for your words, your attitudes, and the secret thoughts which you took all the credit and all the glory for yourself? If you are making the connection here, that is a terrifying thought. But what you have to understand is that the voice of the Lord was not finished speaking in Psalm 29. The writer of the book of Hebrews tells us that in these last days, God has spoken to us in a son. The, the, the writer John's gospel tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, full of grace and truth. In Jesus, y'all, we see the weightiness, the honor, the nobility, the dignity, the splendor, the brilliance, the abundance, and the reputation of God. Because here's the thing. In the gospel, we see that the same voice that breaks the cedars is the voice that heals sinners. The same voice that shakes the mountains is the voice that called out from Calvary's mountain, it is finished. The same voice that shakes the wilderness is the voice that said, Lazarus, come out. The same voice that strips the forest bare is the very voice that says, put a robe on my prodigal child, put a ring on their finger and shoes on their feet and let us celebrate. That powerful voice calls out for forgiveness and intercedes for us in the very throne room of God. And when we see the grace and the majesty of God in Jesus Christ, all God's people cry out, glory. The good news of the gospel is that though we were made for glory, we defamed God's glory, and yet the Son of God left his throne in glory, died to win our place, but was raised in glory in order to bring us back home to glory. And one day we will see him riding the clouds in all of his glory when he comes to set the world aright. In Revelation 21, verses 22 to 26, John describes the new city coming down from heaven in this way. 
and I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. Do you see? The end of the story is all of creation bringing their little glory to the feet of the one who deserves all the credit. At the end of the story, all of creation will be footnoting the Lord for everything good that happened along the journey, for every mercy experience, God will receive the glory. For every trial that we endured, God will get the glory. For every bit of generosity, for his sustaining grace and love, we will one day all in the entire creation give him the glory. But listen, we don't have to wait until then. We can start giving him the glory now. Every bit of change, every good thing that's going on in your life, every bit of patience that you have gained in the last year, every grace you have experienced, every trial that he's kept you through, it was not your strength that upheld you. If it had not been for the Lord, let Israel say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, where would we be? It's an invitation, y'all, to glorify the Lord. Let me tell you, just one way to think about glorifying the Lord is when people come and try to heap praise on you or say nice things about you, one way to acknowledge the Lord is to say, man, I, I'm thankful to the Lord. He's done some incredible work in my life. He's been so generous to me, and I'm thankful to be used by him. It's not that your humanity doesn't matter, that your gifts don't matter, but they are just that. They are gifts. Like, 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 it's like sending a little kid to, to the convenience store with money you put in their pocket and they show up acting like they big balling in the convenience store because they're going to buy some Jolly Ranchers, right? Like, big spender, right? Like, you, you would have nothing if it had not been given to you. So direct the glory to the Lord. You would not be who you are. You would not be where you are. You would not be as you are if it had not been for his glorious grace. And his glorious mercy and kindness, his glorious generosity. So for every good thing that happens in your life, give God the glory by citing his unfailing love. For every bit of security that you enjoy, give God the glory by citing his faithfulness. For every bit of fruit in your life, give God the glory by citing his transforming power. For all of your material resources, for your housing, for your health, for your relationships, for your well-being, give God the glory by citing his generosity. Ascribe to the Lord grace mosaic. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's pray.
Thanks for listening to this podcast from Grace Mosaic. For more information about our church, visit us online at gracemosaic.org.